It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a podcast from WOR. This is the Page Publishing Book Club. How you doing? I'm Alice Stockton Rossini. Jeff Reed is a judge in the Allen County Court of Common Pleas in Ohio. He spends most of his time hearing evidence in criminal and civil cases, but his passion is writing. And he concedes some of the real-life tragedies that have played out in his courtroom influenced his first published work of fiction entitled The Suicide Support Group. It's a group of six characters who share common experiences of terrible things happening to them in their lives to the point where they get to sort of the end of the rope, that's a terrible pun, and, and decide to end their lives and all have attempted to, to commit suicide. So this group forms and it's sort of a support group to try to get through their various hard spots in their lives. The six individuals kind of talk back and forth, feel for each other, and, and give support to each other. One of the members, the youngest member, has an experience where her father has sexually abused her, and the other members of the group find out about this, and they decide to do something about it. Oh. And, and that's really the premise. There is a twist in the whole story as to how this suicide support group is, is made up. I hate to give away the twist because I hope the reader is surprised when they, when they learn a lot about this group. You know, you're in the public eye a lot, right? You're a judge. Yeah, I can't, that, that has probably, in some respects, helped me in terms of uh, promoting the book. I've appeared on local television, and our local newspaper did a real nice thing. I, I think perhaps the fact I am a public official has helped in that regard. And another way around, it's people look at me like, you wrote this? Because it is dark and disturbing and very graphic in ways uh, that maybe people didn't see me as that type of person. I feel like I'm relatively mild-mannered and and respectable. Not to say that this novel isn't respectable, it's just very dark and disturbing because of the subject matter. Attempted suicides, child abuse, death, but this stuff really happens. And the people going through this kind of thing, it's usually pretty complicated. It's... Yeah, this is uh, an attempt to kind of explore the psychology of the individuals. And that that is sort of like a hint to what this is really, a, I call it a kind of a psychological, maybe a thriller. I'm not a trained psychologist. I tried to get into the heads of the members of the suicide support group. And again, that little twist is about, about the psychology of the individuals that are involved. In 20 years on the bench, I learned a little bit of the psychology of, of people that are going through difficult times, whether whether they be victims or whether they be uh, folks that have actually uh, committed offenses, law enforcement, all of these people that, are, that appear in all of my current writings. It's, it's all about crime, 
prosecution, penalty, psychology. It's all kind of mixed into what I, I deal with. Do you smell a, a movie or a movie of the week? or? <laughs> I, I've smelled a movie from the day one when I began this. I just wish some uh, movie producer would smell it too. <laughs> I, I've been told I've been told by a lot of people that it uh, make for a, for an interesting movie. I think it would. It would be certainly uh, wouldn't be rated G. Maybe an HBO or a Showtime or an Amazon or something like that. That would be a dream come true. Really, the whole idea of this was I love to write. I'm going to continue to write. Right. I I wanted to get published. I had the first novel. I tried to I, I threw it around to try to get it published and. So when I was talking to some of my friends and confidence and people that have uh, proofread for me and, and helped me out, they, they look at me and they say, you know, how many people say they want to write a novel? Well, you have. Okay. How many people say they want to get published? Well, you have. So my next question, how many people want to have a movie made of their book? That's yet to be seen. All right. Stand by. Stay tuned, everybody. Rebecca Kozitsky is a graduate student working at a daycare in Michigan. When she was an undergrad, she got a degree in creative writing, and in one of her classes, she had to write a short story from the point of view of an animal. Her teacher and classmates liked Blaze of Glory so much, they encouraged her to get it published as a children's book, and so she did. The last thing I wanted to write about was a dog, because I figured it was the most obvious thing that people would write about. And so I was trying to come up with something else, and I just couldn't. So when I thought back to the dog, I thought maybe I could just put a spin on it. And so I questioned, I guess, why Dalmatians were um, like a thing with firehouses. And so when I, I Googled it and I found that like Dalmatians were really helpful, like back when they had horse and carriages and stuff, I thought that was really interesting. So then I thought, well, I could, I could write about a Dalmatian. That's, that's a different perspective for a dog. And then the story just kind of happened from there. So there's a dog named Blaze, and uh, he's worked in the firehouse for 10 years. And they bring in a new dog because they want to retire him. So the new dog starts going to fires, and he doesn't get to go. And he's really upset about it because it's always been his thing. So they decide to take him on his last run, and he ends up, going in the house to save a boy because he's not supposed to go into the houses, but in this time he does. And the firehouse decides that he's still a hero to them and he's their loyal friend. And so they decide to keep him and have him help train with the new dog. And so he gets to stay. And So he's going to lose his job to a younger dog. Yeah. Is it a younger Dalmatian? No, it's not. It's a, it's a golden retriever. So oh, That must have been very upsetting for him. <laughs> you know, so many times we take things for granted. We think this is how things go and nothing's going to change. And then out of nowhere, you know, things do. And to just, you know, not take things for granted, but also to be there for the ones we love and to enjoy what we have while we have it. And he ends up keeping his job. Yes. Are you reading this book to kids? I haven't, um, but I am looking into doing so. There's a Barnes & Noble in my hometown that I I want to connect with and, you know, get more involved in the community to be able to share the story with other people. Did you enjoy the process of writing? I always enjoy the process of writing, but it's so many times when I write something, it surprises me what comes out. And um, especially for this one, when I first wrote it, the newer dog wasn't involved in the story. And it was just about how, you know, they wanted to retire him. And uh, 
he ended up keeping his job just through his loyalty and, you know, saving the little boy. So when I revised it and the newer dog came into it, it was something I hadn't expected. And it kind of changed the story because before that, I really didn't know what the message could have been for this story because other than we take things for granted and we don't know what we have until it's not right in front of us anymore. But the newer dog kind of put that into perspective for me more than when I had originally written it. So it was the process of just writing the story that the story kind of came to you. Yeah, that's typically how I write. I can't think about my writing. I sort of have to just let it happen. And that's, you know, how this story developed, too. And a lot of writers, I think, can relate to that, Rebecca. Thank you. John and Kathy Serkin are back on the Page Publishing Book Club with their fourth in a series entitled The Story of Yanni's Goal. This one is entitled Yanni Learns How to Become a Teacher. It's a summation of the three previous books in which Yanni has to answer some questions so he can rescue his queen. Kathy, you take it from here. At the beginning of the story, the little boy, our hero, is trying to figure out how to answer four questions. The first book is How Can You Make Sure Everyone Wins and No One Loses, and it's on conflict resolution. The second book is on achieving goals, and it's How Can You Make a Wish Come True, and he finds the answer to that by using that tool. And the third book is Thinking Through Consequences, Using It with a Bully, and the question he was supposed to find the answer to was How Can You Change Your Future? And it was to think through your, con- you know, your actions so that you address negative ones and correct them. And it's, uh, it's very simple, graphic organizer tools. They can do it in pictures, little kids. But it's all told through a story. And the final question was, why is the question better than an answer? And he does find the answer to that question. The, at the end of the third book, his mentor in the book, the teacher says, you've answered all the questions, but I need to know that you can actually apply them. And that's what the fourth book does. Our hero has to go use the, all three tools with someone and teach them. And it turns out he goes and, and finds his bully, the man, the little boy that was bullying Peter based on Peter and the wolf. And he takes Peter through all three tools. And in the process of it, he becomes a teacher. So the fourth book is, has all three tools in it and kind of closes the storyline out. Um, and then he goes and rescues his queen because he's answered these four questions. Yeah, I won't disclose uh, everything that happens here, but at the end of the book, there's a tremendous surprise ending, which the readers will love. It really ties a big bow around the whole thing. So uh, that's something to look forward to. You just said he rescues the queen. It's more than that. Uh, it's more than that, though. <laughs> There's it's more, more than, than that. that. Uh, it's on many different levels, but the, the whole idea was because we think people should learn, like taught long ago, is that they learn good behavior through stories. You know, you teach morality through stories, and the heroes, hopefully children, see themselves in this little boy, the kinds of choices he has to make. And so he learns the tools along with Yanni. And the whole idea is for children to make responsible choices, resolve conflicts, very simply, at very young age, through these little graphic organizers and these questions, and through the storyline. Because we know so much right now that children suffering from a lack of resilience, they can't deal with, with conflict or with things that go wrong. And so the whole idea is to teach them how to develop a justifiable sense of self-worth because they have tools to help them, not just statements. We're going to give them little simple tools to use to develop their self-efficacy and resilience. How important is it for parents to be involved in this process? Excellent question. Very important. And so the parent is learning along with the child. The parents love this program because it enables them to do something. Sometimes parents just try to tell kids, do this, do this, do this, all with best intentions and teachers as well. But this enables the child 
to derive for themselves. They have ownership of the process and the change that they have to make. Uh, they make the change on their own initiative. And when parents see that the children can, are really capable of doing this, it, it works together. So parents definitely. And, and you're seeing results. How about 22 countries around the world? If you have something this simple that an early elementary child can embrace and use and put in what I call their toolkit, depending upon the particular problem they have, they take out the right tool and they use it and they have success with it. It's working everywhere. All right. For more information, just go to toc for education. Joel Heinen is a professor of environmental sciences at Florida International University. He's also a musician and an atheist, concerned about societal problems that arise when people believe in things for which there is no evidence, specifically fundamentalist Christian and Islamic religions. He says he tries to educate with humor in his book entitled, Say What? So the first chapter is um, called The Genesis of Horror Porn. And that just sort of um, gets into the Torah mostly. Really to the, to the fundamentals of the Abrahamic religion, which includes, of course, Judaism fundamentally, and then Christianity and Islam. Uh, there's a bunch of different subtitles in there about questions people have about religion. So, for example, one of the subtitles is the moral majority. And this view that people have that... Um, if you're religious, you have morality, and if you're not religious, you don't have morality, which is completely um, ridiculous, considering that you know morality is how you behave in society and has nothing to do with uh, whether you believe in any gods or not. And you know there are moral systems in social mammals as well. So I give a lot of examples of that. Chapter four is called Allahu Akbar, and it talks about the problems of of fundamentalist Islam and how obviously negative it is in society today. And it also talks about a lot of different issues to do with Islamic society, including the status of women. But there's also a lot of humor in it, so I didn't want it to be too intense. Okay, so give me an example of that. Well, I I calculate, for example, the inbreeding rate in in Muslims. That is, over half of all living Muslims are um, the direct result of first cousin marriages. And so there's an awful lot of negative associations with inbreeding, and so it gets into a lot of different issues to do with health as well as um, accomplishments as well as all kinds of different issues in, in society. But I do it in kind of a circuitous and humorous way. But I guess I'd like to, to come away with um, think about things. Don't, don't just accept things that you've been told. Um, you know, use, use rationality, use critical thinking in everything you do because um, religious indoctrination is not necessarily bad. Certainly there's a lot of Christians and Muslims that don't go around killing people, but religious indoctrination can be bad. You know, nobody kills in the name of atheism. There's no creed that says kill everybody who's different, which is what Deuteronomy, of course, says. So um, kind of think about things. And the other thing I want people to think about who are religious is that they themselves are atheists with respect to every other religion out there. And on top of that, you know, this view that some people have where there is God, there's da-da-da, but it's my God. But you can't tell a Christian, no, the resurrection is ridiculous. It's uh, nobody in their right mind to believe that, you know, unless they were brainwashed into it since infancy, basically. So you're getting the conversation going here. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. So, um, for example, I was on one of the local radio shows, which is a folk and acoustic show, he was 
he asked me to talk about my book and do some readings from it because he had read the book and was interested. And then he said, have you written any atheistic songs? And I said, well, yeah, it turns out I have. So I, I sang one on the radio. I actually included um, excerpts from several of my songs as quotes in the book. All right, something to think about. Thank you, Joel. We have to take a quick break, but we're coming back right after this. Attention all authors. Page Publishing is looking for authors. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, Apple iTunes, and other outlets. They handle all aspects of the publishing process for you. Printing, cover art, publicity, copyright, and editing. Call 800-204-6099 now for your free author submission kit. That's 800-204-6099 for your free author submission kit. We're back on the Page Publishing Book Club. I'm Alice Stockton Rossini. Velvet Rose Hopkins worked in customer service in Nebraska before bad hips left her disabled, but not her imagination. She was playing Dungeons and Dragons with her husband when she was inspired to write her book entitled Birth of Queendom. My main character is a female. She's half human and half elf. And her father is murdered before she's even born. And her mother dies shortly after she's born. And she's sent to live with her aunt. And she is very badly treated because her aunt looks down on her because she's a half-breed. And she ends up running away from her aunt and lives with some gypsies who teach her how to use her magic and and among other things. And then when she comes of age, she decides that she's going to hunt down the men who killed her father. And she does find them, but finds out that it was a bounty that was put out by a king. So then she goes after the king for putting bounty out on her father. It's one of those things that she always had. She learned how to fight with her magic and fight with swords and and what have you for the sole purpose of going after the men who killed her father. That was her main goal. There's a whole series. I've got at least four, maybe five books. The message behind it is that... You can do good things without being mean about it. And if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. It, it's basically a story about how it doesn't matter what you're doing or what's happened to you. You can overcome it if you put your mind to it. Basically, what happens is she gets after the one king and finds out that there's good people in the world, but there's also bad people. And so then she takes it upon herself to try to get rid of many, as many bad people as she can. <laughs> That's about as basic as I can break it down to. So she is like a superhero. Oh, kind of, yeah. Um, I'm working with Paige, try and set up different book signings in my local area. I'm also setting up book signings with a couple of independent bookstores here in South Sioux City, Nebraska. 
it's not all that big of a town, but it's good enough for me. Well, you're certainly proof you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Thank you. Marcus Martin is a retired machinist and musician in Columbus, Ohio. About two years ago, he decided it was time to start writing about the supernatural experiences in his life from God, and that is the title of his book. What kind of experiences? I had to face a serial killer when I was about 18. I uh, was under the car, and the Enemy kicked the jacks out in the crossway, and the car came down. But the angel of the Lord caught the car, the bumper, and he held it up till I could get out from it, and he let it down. Then he he said, you all right? And I said, yes. And then the break is in the book. I was five miles away from the house, and I went to Walmart, and I never really stayed that long. But I was in Walmart looking around and looking at stuff. I never even offered stuff I never even worried about. And I got ready to leave about 9, about 10, something at night. And the Lord had me do that because he knew I didn't, have no, I didn't have no brakes. I didn't have no master cylinder. I had no rotor. I had no brake pad. It was completely out. I had five miles to get home. So I told the Lord, I, I, I don't have no tow truck money. And so the, the Lord told me what to do, get in, drive. He told me what street to drive on. I drove down the street. I get to the traffic light. He stopped the car. And I proceed on down, and he stopped the car again. And I got to a street I knew that I was coming through, and he stopped the car. And I turned, and I parked the car. The Lord brought me home with no brake, supernaturally. Why do you think you, you have so many experiences? You call them supernatural experiences. Because I'm a anointed, chosen vessel of God, and I'm an end-time prophet of God. And I have visions, dreams, and out-of-body experiences with the Lord. And I've been to heaven, been on my home four times. It talks about, in the back of the book, about the spirit of the saints, where the saints of God, you still live. You, when we get to heaven, we still live. We still eat, we still drink juices and things like that, no alcohol. But we still enjoy life. So you wrote this book because you wanted to put together all of these experiences that you've had over the course of your life. Yes, ma'am. The Lord had me do it. He told me, once you write a book, and I didn't know exactly how to go. So Paige Publisher, one of the associates, called me. The Lord had him call me. He began to direct me how to do it. So uh, I began to write. He would check with me every two months. Uh, the message of the book, is that if God will take him through those supernatural experiences, protect him, watch over him, and keep him, because the enemy tried to destroy me many times, you know, but the Lord stopped him. And so if God could do that for him, he can do that for me. It will increase their faith. If we give them to trust God more when they're going through situations, to believe God and trust him, know that he's right there with them and carrying them through. All right, Marcus. Quinn Case is a mother of four in Texas, and she's been writing short stories and poems since she was a little girl. With the encouragement of friends and family, she decided to take the leap and write her first book entitled Finding Love Again. Uh, it's a lady who lost her husband in the war. Afghanistan, I believe, is where I placed him. Okay. She lost her husband, and 
So she figures she would leave her hometown, take her kids, spread her wings, try something new. And she ends up moving to a little town and buying a house. And she figures she'll live there by herself for the rest of her life, raise her kids and live a nice, happy, quiet life in this little town. And the neighbor down the street changes everything for her. What happens? Yeah, he ends up making her fall in love with him. She spends months trying to fight it off, trying to stay away from him. How old are her kids? Her kids are teenagers. She ends up finally caving in and giving it a try. But the whole time that she's fighting not falling in love and that she's finally giving in to him, she's being haunted by the ghost of her husband telling her that she made a promise to him that she wouldn't fall in love again. And it's mainly her subconscious telling her that she's supposed to do this and she's not supposed to do this. What's the message of this book? What do you want us to learn from this book? That it's okay to let go and move on after a while when you're ready. Have you ever had to do that? No, I haven't. I mean, I'm a soldier's wife and so we've watched friends have to go through it. I feel you there, Quinn. Thank you. Finally, Sean Marin is a quality auditor at a factory in Kentucky, and one night while he was x-raying a machine part, the first line of his book came to him, and he couldn't shake it. The name of his book is The Teacher, and uh, if you're easily offended, you may need to skip this one. Sean, uh, I'm going to have to bleep the first line of your book, or you're going to get me in trouble, so go ahead. She is screaming to get a dog out of her The dog out of her yeah what do you she's mean she's being raped by a dog it gets worse all righty i blame the radiation from the x-ray machines you know that that thought went across my head while i was x-raying parts and it's like where in the world did that come from you know and then it started adding some dialogue and then a little more and it's like man there's got to be a way to take this part out but i never could figure out a way to do it without ruining the story so what happens after yeah. that you find out that she has been kidnapped by a woman who calls herself Teacher, which is where the name of the book comes from. And the teacher is convinced that she was trying to steal her boyfriend, which she wasn't, but that's irrelevant. And she is beaten, tortured, and the teacher herself will finally finish her off by raping her with a... Okay, I don't want to know. So she kills her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Once Sarah, our hero, is dead, and she is met by a, another spirit named Gil, who has been having to sit here and watch this whole thing. And he recruits her to the Ghost Academy, where she is given a choice. The book calms down quite a bit after the first part. Okay. But, you know, this trauma will set the stage for Sarah and what happens at the Ghost Academy. And he gets her there, and she's given a choice. Go on to heaven, or we can train you how to go back and try to find your killer. At one point there, she is just about ready to let it go. But it's a news report where they had found her body in a river, and they have absolutely no leads. And she's sitting there, and she's like, I've got to find this person. So then you start into her train. Your typical ghost stuff, you know. And she goes back. She does finally find the teacher. How are you going to sell this book? We've got a uh, Comic-Con coming up 
and I'm thinking about trying to get it up there. I think that's right up your alley and uh, certainly gives us something to think about as we wrap up this edition of the Page Publishing Book Club. If you missed anything, go to 710WOR.com and download the podcast. I'm Alice Stockton Rossini. This has been a podcast from WOR. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.